0: Well, hello, team, and welcome to your favorite show. It's called Thank Piecing, and I'm your host, Grace Hancock. Hello, and welcome to a happy hump day. It's Wednesday. How is everybody doing? I hope that everybody has some very safe and very sane holiday plans and holiday uh, eats and treats planned this week, or as we say at our house, snacky cakes, because we're intellectuals. Um, my wonderful sister Dawn is cooking up a fantastical vegan spread for us. Uh, Donna's also vegan, and it's uh, going to be a very exciting time, and I expect to be five pounds heavier and 100% happier, so can't wait for that, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Be careful. Stay home. Wear a mask. Bye. Also, we're ending our Marvel rewatch this week, which worked out oddly perfectly because this week we're on Endgame, like it's the end of the world as we know it like that it like how odd is that it, we, it worked out perfectly um so that's been fun it's only taken us you know most of quarantine but hey we're busy people but it's been a fun ride we watched uh, infinity wars last week which is always a real kick in the nuts because you're like <laughs> tiny cars are funny and then infinity wars comes in and is like how's your emotional stability and you're like not great thanks <laughs> so uh, that's where we're at so we're excited for that it's so good i'm also really loving the um like joe biden versions of the like last scene in end game that's on the interwebs it's fun it's a fun it's good and i and i cry during that too um also we have a a full moon coming up on sunday night where i am located in gemini the best of all the zodiacs you know i feel like gemini's get a rat like a bad rap i feel like probably everybody thinks this of their of their uh zodiac sign, but I feel like we especially do because we're an air sign. so I feel like immediately people are like, well, you're two-faced and you're air headed and it's like, no, no, we just have very uh we're very intellectual so we tend to get bored really easily. so we're not flighty. we're just easily like all right, on to the next thing like I'm over this. So hey, hug a Gemini, you know what I'm saying um, I'm gonna get some water. there was uh well, hold on. We've been uh, dealing with some some family stuff today that I won't get into now, uh, but there's been some tear shedding today. I've had some feelings, so that's why I sound the way that I sound. If I sound weird, if I don't, then great, I sound fine and nothing ever happened. So, But today we're going to be talking about the Amityville Murder House in New York. I really like this case, and as I said, I wanted to do this for my uh, Halloween episode, but I couldn't because I was shooting. And... So we're going to talk about it today and we're going to specifically focus more on sort of the origin story of this franchise that is true which is of course the DeFeo murders. So I wanted to talk about that because it gets overlooked sometimes but it's also there's a lot of weirdness to this story because we have the true crime true part of the story, the DeFeo murders, and then we have the Less family who comes in later and then there's all this like crazy ghost shit. And and so, and it's weird because separately they, you'd be kind of like, huh, but together you're like, oh no. So it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition of these two things. Cause it's like, do they work without the, like, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. So little backstory, Amityville is a tiny upscale Long Island town, 30 miles outside of New York city. And the house was located at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. It's this giant, creepy Dutch colonial house, 4,000 square feet, three floors, five bedrooms, three and a half bathrooms. So just like a cute little tiny cottage, you know? And so the DeFeo family, big family, they lived in the house for about nine years. And in the very, very early morning hours, around 3.15 a.m. of November 13th, which was a Wednesday, so like the early Wednesday morning hours, this 23-year-old named Ronald J. DeFeo Jr., Jr., (laughs) Jr., who was also called Ronnie and was also called Butch. I think for the most part, I'll be calling him Butch from here on out because the whole like senior, junior, Ronnie, Ronald, fuck it. Come on, do your kids a favor. Don't do that to them. Life is hard enough. So we're going to call him Butch. So he allegedly murdered his entire family of six while they were asleep, both of his parents who were in their forties and his four younger siblings with a thirty-five caliber rifle. His siblings were (laughs) Don, who was 18, Allison, 13, Mark, 12, and John, who was 9. Very, 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 very sad. Very tragic. Also, I love all of the dudes in the 70s because everybody just looks 50. Like, you could be 80, but you could be 19. You all look 50. It's just a beautiful time. Um, So they were very comfortable financially. They were a successful family. I think um, Butch's grandfather had owned, like, a Buick car dealership, and they did very well for themselves. Obviously, they lived in this, like, crazy house. And you know, it's a very nice neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. But they were very, very dysfunctional. The father, Ronald DeFeo Sr. was apparently violent, was abusive, had like a temper, like was a pretty much just a big bully and butch heavily dabbled in drugs and alcohol to cope. He admitted that he was doing heroin daily, other drugs daily, like the marijuana. Oh no. He also admitted to drinking a full, drinking a full bottle of scotch daily. Like I would be dead. Like I have two glasses of wine for the rest of the week, I'm like, Grace, you got to rethink your life. So I don't know. I mean, wow. Um, he was also likely dealing drugs and his sister Dawn, who was 18, she regularly used LSD as well as other drugs. And according to her boyfriend, she was supposedly growing increasingly more hostile towards her parents because they wouldn't let her move in with him. Womp womp. So... Also, prior to the murders, Butch had once threatened his father with a gun during a heated argument and had even pulled the trigger, but miraculously, the gun did not go off. So a history of like threatening, violent behavior, not a lot of warm and fuzzies here. So everything kind of points to this family being pretty unhappy and kind of a toxic, a pretty toxic environment, it would seem. So this happens around 3.15 a.m. And then on Wednesday morning, so same morning, so just a couple hours after the murders, he goes to work, Butch goes to work at the family business, the car dealership, but he leaves work at around noon, which was not unusual because he was a spoiled piece of shit and he goes to a friend's house. He also then takes his girlfriend shopping and then later he ends up at Henry's Bar, which was a bar that was just a few minutes away from the Amityville home, the family home. And by the way, he was a regular there because he, I mean, clearly he had to have been for a bottle of scotch every day. Like who has the time? My God. And his favorite drink, according to the bartender, was a vodka with 7-Up and a lemon peel. So it's like, how do we not see this coming? Because that's a crime in and of itself. You depraved fuck. So there was that. And the whole time he's hanging out with his friends, he's hanging out with his lady friend, he's telling everybody, he's complaining, 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 that he's been locked out of the house after an argument with his parents, which is hilarious because I'm like, do you not have a key? You're 23. Whatever. What do I know? And he's been calling home all day and no one's answering. Like He's just laying it on very, very thick not a great criminal which is good i suppose but very bad at his job so he leaves the bar at around 6 25 and then he comes back to the bar at around 6 30 so he leaves and immediately comes right back like literally about five minutes later and he comes and he storms in and he yells you gotta help me i think my mother and father are shot so money can't buy grammar am i right And a couple of the patrons there slash his friends, a lot of the reports are like a little bit of both, um, but whoever they were, they go with him in his car and they drive to the house and then he makes them go inside because he's a piece of shit. And then they discover, you know, this horrible murder scene of all these people. And then the police are finally called. So the police were called, you know, several hours after this all took place. So all of the bodies, all six bodies, were found in their beds, in their pajamas, on their stomachs, all shot in the back with a high-powered rifle, except for Dawn, who was shot in the back of the head. And this is where shit gets weird and where a lot of the spooky factor of this case comes in. This is what you'll hear about a lot of the times, because this is kind of what makes it not just a true crime story. So there's no indication of any struggle On any of the bodies, meaning there's no defensive wounds. There's no skin under fingernails, that kind of stuff that you would typically look for. Yes, I watch too much Dateline. There's no overturned furniture, blah, blah, blah. There's also no evidence of any drugs whatsoever in their systems that would have sedated them, meaning you know kept them in their beds while he's going on this rampage. And the autopsy performer? Who's that? The mortician? I don't know. No, that's for funerals. Oh, no. The coroner? I don't know, you guys tell me, no one cares. So Dr. Howard Edelman is the dude who does that thing, and he does all the autopsies on the whole family, and he said that they did extensive toxicology on all of the blood, all of the urine, and all of the organs, and nothing. There was nothing that showed up, there was nothing in their body that would have sedated them, no drugs. Also, neighbors, oh sorry, my agent's texting me. Okay, um, neighbors who were awake at the time so who just happened to be up at 3 o'clock in the morning, which it's like, all right, you know, you do you. They did not hear any gunshots. So meaning not only were no neighbors woken up by any gunshots, even the neighbors who were already awake did not hear anything. And this house is not isolated. There's several homes next to it. It's a pretty standard neighborhood layout where houses are. You get it? The only thing that anybody heard was the family dog barking, which just like (laughs) breaks my heart and I do not... I absolutely did. I completely avoided looking up any further information about the dog because I just cannot today. So I hope that he just left it alone and went along his merry way, but I don't know. Cause I'm not equipped for that. So also <laughs> he apparently used a Marlin 35 Remington. I hate guns. I don't know shit about guns, but I've watched clips of a guy shooting this exact gun on YouTube and it's like soul crushingly loud. It's like banana cakes loud. And I read in other reports, that it can actually, they tested it, and it can be heard over a mile away. It's about 140 decibels, which is very, very loud. Normal speech, like what I'm doing right now, is about 60 decibels. And according to Google, a loud rock concert is about 120 decibels. Now, I'm 900 years old. When I go to a concert, I'm miserable. Like, that's way too loud. I can't hear you. We're screaming. It's terrible. So 140 is super loud. That's actually loud enough to burst an eardrum. So pretty loud. Which makes this just one of the absolute creepiest angles to this story, so no one heard these gunshots, including other family members, because how is he able to go room to room and just annihilate this entire family without anybody getting up? I've seen the crime photos, the crime scene, scene photos. I've seen your crime scene like I can't with my mouth. I've seen the crime see, okay. <laughs> you get it. Everybody is like sleeping. Everybody's in bed on their stomachs, like I said. And they all look to be pretty organic, if that makes sense. They don't look staged to me, at least in the photos where you can see the bodies. And this is an, another interesting fact: the all of the female family members are covered in blankets, so you can't see them very well. But all most of the well, all of the male family members who he shot, you can see them, and they're all like sleeping on their side. Like they look like they're sleeping. So I don't know. You know, what I mean, I don't know anything about like. I wouldn't know what a staged sleep looks like, but to me it just looks very, very normal. Like literally they were shot in their sleep and both of the sides later when he went to trial, like the prosecution and the defense, everybody agreed and they could tell from the bullets that a silencer had not been used. Huh? And he fired eight shots in total. He shot both of his parents twice and all of his siblings once. So eight shots total across four rooms and on two separate floors of this three story house and ballistics proved that they were all from the same gun, all of the bullets, like all of the killing bullets and they were all killed. Each family member was killed within a 10 to 15 minute window, according to investigators. Huh? So everyone slept through this deafening, murderous 15 minute mayhem and legitimately was shot in their sleep, slept through it all. Or maybe he threatened them and told them to lay in bed. Who knows? But then out of six victims, not one person was able to fight him or overpower him or run away or even scream or even hide. Like there's not one glass broken anywhere. There's no lamp overturned. No nosy neighbor calls 911. Spooky. And this guy, Ken Greguski, Who was the Amityville police chief at the time, and he was one of the first law enforcement officers to arrive at this horrible mess. He said later on the record why someone wasn't able to get out of that house is beyond belief. Well said, Kenny. I I have to high five you there, it's weird. So Butch changed his story many, many, many times, and you'll find out later, this was a very, this whole story and everybody surrounding it is very litigious there's like 89 trials and and suings and all kinds of craziness so in one of those many many other scenarios his lawyer testified that butch told him like at least 15 different versions of this crime so at one point he said that a mob hitman had done it because apparently they were friends with this man and he had lived with them for a time and then had a falling out so he blamed it on him he also said that he and a friend of his did it who was a friend of his that he had previously done like some fraud and like like not i want to say petty theft but it wasn't that petty it was quite a bit of money but it was like uh, you know, a shady friend. So then he was like, oh yeah, me and Tom did it. And Tom was like, hey, fuck you, man. And then he also said, and this was one of the more consistent accounts, although there were several variations, is that he said that his oldest sister, Dawn, took part in the killings. Now, personally, I think it could make a lot of sense if Dawn was involved. I think this family was super fucked up. I think this family was balls deep in abuse and unresolved drama no therapy like not a lot of positivity you know not a lot of sunshine in this family and i think that they either planned this together meaning butch and dawn did or you know and then something went wrong or butch freaked out at the last second and killed her too i don't know but i think it makes sense if she was also present and armed because the house had several guns in it they were apparently a very pro gun family <laughs> and she forced the other siblings and her parents to like stay where they were until he came in with the actual murder weapon. There were also a lot of theories that they planned together to just kill the parents, but then which Butch did like he actually physically did. And then like during that time that Don killed the siblings. And so when he found out he freaked out and killed her, but I don't know how that could work because everyone was killed by the same weapon. Another theory is that she did all of the murders. And then when he found out he killed her, which works with the same weapon being used, but still doesn't explain why nobody woke up and tried to get away from her. You know, same scenario as if, you know, she was the one who carried out this like horrible thing. So the reason why the Dawn theories carry any weight at all is that Dawn had a very bad head wound that had left brain matter and blood on her pillow and also on her nightgown. But somehow, not on her white headboard that was only inches away. And, I'm, and I've seen the photo. I mean, we're talking like maybe two to three inches. It was totally pristine. There was no blood, no brain matter on this white headboard, which would make no sense if she had been shot in bed. There was also blood spatter on a dresser and on some floorboards in the house, suggesting that maybe she wasn't actually shot while in her bed and that there may have been a struggle between them somewhere else in the house. She also apparently had unburnt gunshot residue on her body, which could suggest that she had handled a gun, but that can also just suggest that she was shot, which we know. Um, I feel like with most like GSR stuff in cases, it's kind of like lie detector. Te- it's kind of like we get all excited, but it can just—it's so open-ended. Like, you, you can kind of argue it in any way that you want. So it's kind of like, eh, I don't know, not very helpful. But also remember that she was the only one who was shot in the head, in the back of the head, and not in the back. But all that may just indicate that maybe she just got up and tried to get away and she was shot somewhere else in the house after he chased after her, which feels actually I think that makes the most sense to me out of everything. But it still doesn't explain why no one else, including neighbors, heard any gunshots, eight very loud gunshots. It doesn't explain how five other victims didn't wake up and try to get away. And also whether she was involved or not, why put her body back in bed? Like, he left the family there to be discovered. He brought people over to be like, oh, no, look what happened. Like, he knew they were so it's like, why put her back in bed? I don't know. So what the fuck? Like, what? Huh? In a giant, old, echoey house full of seven people, most of them unstable, some of them on drugs, where eardrum-bursting guns are going off for up to 15 minutes. I would expect that house to be absolutely trashed, blood everywhere, furniture all fucked up, shot at, like gunshot holes in the walls, claw marks on walls, on faces, like fingernail scratches. I'd expect at least one or two kids was able to like hide in a cupboard, Jurassic Park style, or like sneak out, get away, scream. I'd expect neighbors to be freaking the fuck out, being nosy, calling 911, the cops getting multiple calls from everybody in that neighborhood. Nothing. Huh? Riddle me that. And he had time. He had there was a couple hours of time tops that he was in the house but it's like you can't like no broken glass, like no broken lamp in the garbage nothing. So <sighs> Butch eventually confessed to all six murders. He said, quote, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast, end quote. He also said that on the night of the shootings, he was watching TV in a drug-induced haze when a strange black-hooded figure came to him and handed him a rifle and urged him to commit the murders. After the murders, he took a shower, changed his clothes, and disposed of the murder weapon, which was later found by police in the dock behind the house. because it was right on like the river, I don't know, the Amityville River, I forgot, um, and their theories that this hooded figure was Dawn trying to manipulate him. Cause she knew that he was like super, you know, heroined out. And so she was trying to like manipulate him to get her way. I don't know. There's a lot going on. So he was arrested that night after the police were called. It was pretty obvious, pretty early on. And he stood trial on October 14th, 1975. So, uh, just under a year after the murders and his court appointed attorney, William Weber, who I have been, calling Willie Webbs because i'm 10 entered obviously an insanity plea stating that the defendant quote heard voices that told him to kill his family and butch also said himself quote the house made me do it and quote the walls were talking to me and quote it felt good to do what i did so he seems great and during the trial he threatened to kill the judge and his own lawyer during his own trial so i mean just excellent form butch just killing it So prosecution was like, yeah, he's on drugs, he's a piece of shit, but he knew what he was doing, he knew right from wrong, so he doesn't get to play the insanity card. Although psychologists did later diagnose him with having antisocial personality disorder. But regardless of all of that, the jury convicted him on all six counts of second degree murder. Interesting that it was second degree, but what do I know? And he was sentenced to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life, which I also kind of find fucked up. but. Like, I think they should have been consecutive, but it doesn't really matter because he's still in prison right now and he's never made parole. Shocking. And he is currently in the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York. He is currently 69 years old and he's been married and divorced three times during his prison stay. So, hey, love wins. So this is super bizarre. Because even though he was convicted, a lot of people involved in the case, and I'm probably I'm sure a lot of jury members, even though they were like, yeah, this guy for sure should go to prison. It's weird that nobody woke up. It's it definitely kind of feels like maybe somebody else was involved, but I guess none of that had any traction. So it's just, and also the whole, the house made me do it. It's like, okay, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Like that doesn't come up a lot. It's like the devil made me do it story. Like people are like, okay, well that's new. But then shit gets even weirder. So it's like you already have this story that's true, that's sad, that's scary, and it's weird, and it has that factor of just kind of like, huh? And then the Lutz family comes in. So 13 months after the murders, the Lutz family, George and Kathy, buy the home at like this crazy massive discount. Really, they bought the home for $80,000. What? I live in LA. That will buy you six lattes and no more. Like, I... What? That's like how much my last oil change cost. Like I can't. Whatever. It didn't, you know, clearly did not work out because they only stayed 28 days. And when they left, they didn't even take all their belongings with them. They had only left with a couple changes of clothes. So you know their names because their story is what quote unquote inspired the true story of the 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, written by Jay Anson. That is obviously what the subsequent film the Amityville Horror is based on that came out in 1979, and that year was the second highest grossing movie of that year. So they were both 32, even though, again, <laughs> in the 70s, everybody, no matter how old you are, you look 80. Like it, it's just, it's so funny to me. So they're, but they were both 32 and they had married the year prior. She had three kids from a previous marriage two boys and one girl. The boys were Daniel, nine, Christopher, seven, and then a girl who goes by Melissa, and also Missy, who was five. So I'm actually not going to super get into everything that they quote unquote experienced just because I think it's been covered quite a bit. And it's also just like so ridiculous. It's not even, I almost don't even enjoy the story that much because everything they say is just so banana cakes. You're just like, okay, we get it. You believe your house was haunted. (laughs) So like, I'm just going to kind of go over a couple things, strange old odors, uh, green slime oozing out of the walls and the keyholes. Although George himself admitted later that that was a quote unquote embellishment. It's like, yeah, man, we knew. Um, they also experienced cold spots in certain areas of the house They had also brought a priest into the house to bless it when they moved in. His name was Father Mancuso, and he allegedly heard a voice scream, get out, when he entered the home. He also told the Lutzes to never sleep in that particular room where that happened, in the house, which I believe was the second story sewing room. And he also stated that he felt a slap on his face during this visit and that he later experienced blistering on his hands, which he felt was because of the home. Okay. And George lost 25 pounds in the 28 days that they were there. He was also waking up every day at around 3.15 a.m., which you may recall is when Butch murdered his family. Uh, Garage doors were opening and closing. Invisible spirits were throwing knives in the kitchen. A pig was staring down at George from his uh, daughter's bedroom, and it had glowing red eyes. George woke up to Kathy levitating. Uh, Daniel and Christopher, the two sons, also levitated together. Uh, Kathy felt a female presence and a hand would often touch her hand. The daughter, Melissa, had a creepy, quote unquote, imaginary friend. Like, you see where I'm going with this, right? George also became obsessed with chopping wood because he looked like a lumberjack and also he, quote unquote, couldn't get warm. He stopped shaving, he stopped bathing, and him and Kathy both stopped going to work. A lot to unpack there. Again, like I said, not really going to get into it because it's just like, okay, uh, like you for sure lost me at the pig. Uh, That'll do big. So obviously a lot of people had some questions and concerns uh, for the Lutzes. And I got to say, I'm one of those people, you guys know that I'm a ghosty lady and there's nothing I love more than a good paranormal thing. But I got, this is not one of those where I'm like, oh man, like what was going on? Like this one, I feel like I'm just kind of like, I don't know. So they were apparently bogged down with legal and financial shit, which I like on one hand, I'm like, well, who isn't? So, but a lot of skeptics were like, well, see, they had motive, which is kind of always the thing that we do here. When any time somebody says something that we don't like, we're always like, well, they're just in it for the money. So it's like, that's kind of like a generalization, but also. Apparently, they only made about $300,000 for the rights, which they did sell to Jay Anson, who wrote the book. So, like, that's not a lot of money. Like, a family of five is not going to retire at age 32 on 300K. So, like, it's not, I don't know. So, I don't really buy that aspect of it either. But it just continues to get super weirdo because the Lutz's former lawyer, William Weber, Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like our friend Willie Webbs? Because it is the same Willie Webbs. They had a falling out, shocking, over money. And he came out in 1979, a few years after this, and he told People Magazine, like out of all magazines, so random, that the Lutzes approached him about an idea for a book, and he said, quote, we created this horror story over many bottles of wine. It is a hoax, end quote. Very dramatic. But here's what I think. I think that the only reason why he said that was because he was butthurt that they went with Jay Anson to write the book and not with him, William Weber, and Paul Hoffman, who's, who William wanted to write the book, because then William would get a cut as the lawyer. Apparently, when the Lutzes went through all of this craziness, they wanted to talk to William because he would represented Butch DeFeo, and Butch DeFeo was the guy who murdered his family and said, quote-unquote, the house made me do it. So apparently... And there's a lot of conflicting information. There's almost... Like, it's there's so... I mean, I read so much shit on this case, and it's all... Like, this is where it starts to get really convoluted. So my overall impression is that they... We're like, we're dealing with this stuff. Let's reach out to that guy who re- represented that other guy who said that the house made me do it. Like, maybe he knows something. And then they together apparently were like, hey, like, this is an interesting story. We could make this into a book. Now, that does not mean that it's true or untrue. It just means that this would be an interesting book, which it was. And apparently, it's also been an interesting, like, 48 films. Honestly, I have not seen one Amityville horror film ever once in my life. I probably will because I want to see. Ryan Reynolds be a lumberjack and that's you know my business so I'll do that but then also William also sued them later for taking the story quote unquote to another publishing partner he sued them for 60 million dollars and he got like 15,000 so it's like okay you did pretty okay and they eventually settled and then he was kind of like went behind their back and then he took the article oh good job buddy baxter's getting some wowie he took the article to good housekeeping you know that (laughs) pinnacle paranormal uh publishing house and kind of told the exact same story and in essence kind of like stealing their story so then they sued him for invasion of privacy and then he later counter sued for fraud and breach of contract so like i said it's very very litigious i can't keep track and it actually doesn't end there so it all just seems kind of shady. Like when you get to that part, you're just kind of like, yeah, this kind of feels like maybe there was mostly just like monetary gain here. But then the son, Daniel Lutz, who now apparently just lives a quiet life in Queens, um, he to this day claims that he was possessed, that the house ruined his life, and that he continues to have nightmares to this day. He also said that George, his stepfather, was telekinetic And he blames all of the paranormal activity on George because George apparently was into some conjuring activities and clearly did not know what he was doing. Their other son, Christopher Quarantino, you know, it's all quarantined to me now. Um, But he, who apparently now lives in Scottsdale, he vehemently insists that he had run-ins with the paranormal, including the time he saw a presence, quote, as definite as a shadow in the shape of a man that moved towards him and then dissipated. And he obviously said that the book and the films amplified everything, which is kind of like, well, yeah, of course, like that's to be expected. That's fine. He also said, though, that his stepfather, George Lutch was, Lutz, quote, He's a professional showman, in my opinion. I just feel as though we're being exploited. He points his finger at the house and says there's something evil there. Fingers should be pointed at what he had done. He's a perpetrator and an instigator. And he was also, when he said that, he was apparently also referring to George's sort of like creepy ritual activity, which is like, there's nothing wrong with having rituals. I don't have any comment on conjuring because that's not my jam and that needs to be done uh extraordinarily specifically and safely if you're going to do that which i do not recommend so apparently though that was george's thing and here we are so george later sued his own stepson christopher over trademark infringement and fraud. So it's like everybody is suing everybody. And the sister, by the way, Melissa, uh, who went by Missy, has never spoken publicly and has kind of like fallen off the radar. She probably changed her name and probably wrapped her, you know, washed her hands of all of it. But Kathy George divorced in 1988, but apparently they always stayed on good terms. Kathy passed away in 2004, George in 2006, and they both stuck to their stories until... Their deaths. So, I mean, shit. And today, apparently, the last time that it was sold, at least that I found, is that it was sold in February of 2017 to an undisclosed owner for $605,000. Again, ridiculously cheap. But apparently, that was 200K less than the original asking price, which is so interesting because I feel like this could go either way. I feel like this could either be, you could spike up the price because it's famous. Or it could be cheap. You know what I mean? Like it could go either way. Cause it's like, I don't, <laughs> I know that there's creeps out there that would find that a plus. I'm not saying I'm one of them, but I would find it interesting is all I'm saying. I'm not at all happy about murder, but if it was something where like a very famous haunting had taken place, like that would absolutely intrigue me. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, and after the let's it was owned by owned. I don't know why I said that. So weird that like felt really weird in my mouth and I'm sorry about it. Um, four other families lived there. And they all apparently were like, no, everything's fine. We love this house. But my favorite part of this, and this happens a lot in murder houses and sometimes in like infamous houses where they change the address, like, you know, like where Nicole Brown was murdered in Brentwood, like that's now been like split into two townhomes and they changed the address, (laughs) which I totally understand. But it's also just like, we'll do a better job because it's a very distinctive looking house, the Amityville house. And they changed it from 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 Ocean Avenue. So it's like, no one will find it. I mean, oh my God, amazing. Just totally incognito. No one will ever know that that was the house. So uh, (laughs) good on you, fam. So that's the very truncated version of this case. So it's really interesting because the DeFeo murders, have this sort of strange unsolved mystery type of vibe with like the sound issue and the fact that everybody seemingly was murdered in their sleep and that's weird and all that creepy shit that he said like the house made me do it the voices the hooded figure and you're just like hmm like already weird and then over here we have the Lutz family who has just like literally every kind of weird haunting thing you've ever heard about read about or watched it's all going on but they all stick to their story. Again, polygraphs are kind of garbage, but they both take a polygraph and pass. Interesting, if nothing else. And also, they stick to this story for their entire lives. And even to the point where into adulthood, they're openly, the children, openly discussing how traumatic it was. And as far as like monetary gain, it doesn't really seem that they gained a whole lot, uh, if anything. Like, that's not a lot. Like, if they were really like, all right, kids. We're going to go down in history as being this family that loses their damn mind, but don't worry because we're going to be billionaires. And they're like, okay, sounds cool. And they're all like, but we're actually only going to get like two grand each. Like, that's a shitty idea. <laughs> like, there's better ways uh, to, to, you know, buy Whole Foods. So it's weird. But then together, it just makes for a really strange combo. And then we have this really odd connection of Willy Webbs, as we all know, who I think just makes it, all the more strange so it's like does hateful violence prime an environment for demonic activity maybe i mean like attracts like nobody steps foot into an old abandoned insane asylum from the 1940s where patients were like starved and tortured and abused and walks in and is like oh this feels homey no like the energy around us is absolutely affected by what we do and i think sometimes permanently i think there's why there's like these weird spots i think sometimes stuff is just so horrible that it is permanent so did, you know where the was the residual energy of this horrible crime did that lead to something weird going on in this house and then You know, like, did Butch open up some dark portal-type shit and then George later exacerbated that energy with his amateur hour conjuring horse shit? Maybe. Interesting. But here's the thing, and I think you're going to be surprised by this. So I'm going to say this, and then I'll circle back on why you'll be surprised. I think... I think that Butch DeFeo was a drug-addicted piece of shit who did not get the mental health care that he needed and did not get the substance abuse treatment that he needed. I think that his older sister, Dawn tried to fight him and, or tried to get away. I think that the Lutzes did experience low level paranormal activity. I think that it was heightened by George with his emotional instability. And I think that that deeply traumatized the very young and very impressionable children I think that William Weber saw an opportunity to take the fame of the DeFeo case and capitalize it even further with the Lutz family. And I think that he got pissed because they shared their story elsewhere, essentially cutting him out of the deal. So I think he got butthurt and ran his mouth saying that it was all garbage to try and sabotage their success and invalidate their story and blah, 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 blah. That's what I think. So as far as like a ghosty spooky tale, real low on the spookies. It's horrifying and tragic, absolutely. But as far as legitimate paranormal activity, which is what this case is like widely, it's like the most haunted house in America. Like, I don't think so. I don't think so hardly at all. I think that there was a very low level paranormal activity. I'm sure 90% of it was... I don't want to say like they imagined it because I think that gets into a really horrible gray area and I don't want to do that. But I think that if he's conjuring stuff, if he's like dabbling in some stuff that he clearly did not understand or know how to do safely, he was probably looking for it, seeking it out, opening himself to that kind of energy. And I think that this was also... A traumatizing time i know that the kids didn't like george i know that they were financially in trouble the parents stopped going to work i'm sure there was a lot of other things that led to this just being overall a pretty weird time and i'm sure that that energy can kind of open <laughs> be drawn to especially when he's like calling out to it uh to to do some stuff do i think a, a pig with red eyes was sitting in her window no no Uh, I I wouldn't mind that. I adore pigs. I wouldn't mind a ghost pig. I think that'd be cute. You have red eyes. I don't know. I can love you as you are, ghost piggy. Do I think you were at the Lutz house? No. No, I don't. Um, And I was surprised by that because I went into this story always remembering that what I heard about it that always stuck with me is that how did nobody fucking wake up in that house? That's so creepy. Everybody was shot in their sleep. Like All these people slept through it and that's still pretty weird. Like the neighbor's not hearing anything weird, but I don't know. Maybe everybody was, you know, having was like balls deep in a Manhattan. I don't know. I mean, there's enough things that I can write it away to be like, okay, it's super weird, but yeah. And maybe they weren't asleep. Maybe he just told them to roll over on their stomachs so that he didn't have to see their face. That makes way more sense to me, especially with family annihilators who do tend to feel guilt and do tend to die by suicide later. So that's what I think. I'm very surprised to say I think that the DeFeo case was totally normal, not paranormal, uh, just deeply tragic and from a very disturbed and selfish uh, young man who looks 90. And I feel bad for the lesses too, especially the kids. And I don't know what, I mean, I just, I don't know what to make of them sticking to that story. I mean, maybe they just, you know, I believe that stuff happened. I think that stuff got you know, fluffed a bit. I don't know. I feel bad saying that because I don't want ever... Like, if somebody's like, this happened to me, like, who am I to be like, yeah, I don't know, I don't believe you. It's like, well, they don't give a shit. Like, all right. But I mean, like, green ooze, like, I think that's just a mold problem, boo. Like, there's Clorox for that. It's just, it's almost like if they had cut everything that they reported in half, I think it would be a much different case for me. I think because it's just so banana cakes like and then he stopped showering and then the neighbors thought that he started to look like butch it's like it was the 70s every white dude looked like butch so I don't know it's interesting I'm really really interested to think or to hear what you guys think because I know that this is a pretty high profile case I the Lutz family stuff more so than the DeFeo's but I find both of them to be really intriguing especially together because it's like I don't know like did the like I did the let's family like see that this guy was saying the house made me do it and they were like oh opportunity I don't know I wasn't alive in the 70s I'll ask again it was a weird time for all I know it seems like a you know a crazy time so it's interesting it was very interesting writing this episode because I think I changed my mind like a hundred times and I was getting really frustrated because I was like but what the fuck And I like came out and I was like, I wish you knew all about this case because I want to talk about it. And he was like, okay. And I was like, cool. All right. I'll see you later. So if you're somebody who knows a lot about this case, or if you want to go deep dive it, come back to me, tweet me, email me, thinkpiecing at gmail.com, do all the things. Cause it's very, very interesting and just really convoluted. Like, And there's so much on it. It's like hard to sift through. So I want to know what you guys think. And uh, it, it's just fun. I, I, who doesn't believe in spooks? I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks. I do, I do, I do. But on a, on a much, much more important note, look, we can, we can argue about true crime. We can go over all the evidence and how weird it is. We can debate truer true spooky tales. But what you're really here for this show... Is the deep, deep think pieces that we have, like today's? Hey, why do I have to eject my disc properly? What the fuck does that mean? Why is it I'm hitting eject, technically nothing happens? What exactly am I ejecting? Like, who's the disc gonna call? (laughs) Tim Apple? (laughs) I get so annoyed. You didn't eject the disc? Well, what? What, is she mad about it? Did I hurt her feelings? I don't get it. What am I doing? What does it mean? Tell me. Didn't eject the disc properly. I'm going to put on a sassy chapstick. Every time I... Shut up. Shut up. You're a USB. Who do you care? You're fine. I eject you improperly all the time. That's what she said. And yet, every time I need you after that, you're fine. I think you're just being dramatic. I'm going to give you some Baxter's magic cheese. Also, if you don't know that Tim Apple joke, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to put that in the pics of the week actually. There's this wonderful like YouTube video that I've watched probably 127 times of <laughs> Donald Trump like getting people's names wrong just all the time in just horrific and hilarious ways. And it's one of my favorite pick-me-ups, so you know what? I'm going to include that in the pics of the week. And because we have some um, holidays coming up this week, no matter what you celebrate, there are these delicious, I mean, delicious. So my favorite snack, like sweet snack in the world, as probably most of you know, (laughs) is squishy snacks. They're my favorite. But I've also decided that like jelly bellies are included in squishy snacks because they're squishy, even though they have a, a hard outer shell for the most part. But as you know, I'm vegan, I'm very healthy, I'm very intentional with what I put in my body because uh, the world is terrible and hard and stressful and (laughs) I need all the help that I can get to keep my body up and running. As I'm over here like losing my voice, slurring my words, my eyes are all swollen from crying and I can't even see, like it's fine, we're all going to make it. So my point being is that sour jelly beans are like ooh a treat that is a treaty i want in my mouth and there's this wonderful brand called yum earth <laughs> it's so stupid guys what should we call it i don't know they're just so tasty and they're from the earth i don't know guys what do you think yeah you in the back guys guys <laughs> what if we just called it one word yum earth I love it, Chad. Thank you. Put it in. Like I can't. Like it's just so great. So it's one word, yum earth. But I'm gonna. You can buy them on Amazon, and you can buy like ten little individual packs, and they're not like the little bitch packs that have like four beans in them. And you're like, look, do I look like a chihuahua? I'm a grown ass woman. I want. I want at least twenty beans. So you can go on Amazon and buy some yum earth organic sour beans, and it's like a healthier uh, sour jelly belly alternative, and they are delicious. And like I said, I had a pack earlier today. Look, they're like, how many beans are in this? (laughs) I know this is what you guys are here for. Okay. Wait, about three pieces. (gasps) What? No, I have to be reading that wrong. Okay. You know what? I'm not going to look at the calories because life is hard, but they're delicious and I'm linking them so you can bring them to whatever holidays you are celebrating this week you can bring them. And by bring them, I mean, you can take them from your mailbox into your kitchen and hopefully, fingers crossed, nowhere else. Also, I'm going to be including this, um, you know, I feel terrible because I found this a while ago and I do forget where I found it. So I'm just going to take credit like an asshole, but I'm going to be linking this article that I found about, uh, it talks about cultural appropriation in interior design, which I think is something that is, I don't know, maybe like overlooked. Like I just see a lot of like parents with like teepees and their kids like playroom or like little dog beds that are made out of teepees and it's like I get it but also like let's not do that so I don't know I just thought it was an interesting article and I love bringing things to you guys to help you think (laughs) like sour jelly bellies so that that and then I'm also going to be linking that wonderful (laughs) wonderful Trump video it's so good and he calls the CEO of Apple Tim Apple oh god it's so funny he's such a buffoon bye Um, So that's that's what we're doing. That's where we're at today. And I have a very interesting call to action for next week. And I'm very excited about this. I think I have mentioned her previously. Well, probably a lot because I'm obsessed with her. But one of my very best friends in the whole world. Her name is Raina. She is a gorgeous, talented, amazing, just complete lone wolf of a woman like there's just no one like her. I am obsessed with her and she is incredible. And she is going to be joining us next week to talk about ayahuasca. And she has participated in several ayahuasca ceremonies, as well as other stuff like the frog uh, poison and all that kind of good stuff. And if you don't know, this kind of became big a couple years ago. A couple years ago, because Chelsea Handler did an episode on it in her docu series that she did a few years ago. So it's essentially, and and she she can correct me next week because I'm sure I'm you know botching this greatly, but it's essentially like a psychoactive tea that's administered by shamans in sacred ceremonies around the world. It's like very, especially like in South American cultures, it's something that they do that's very, it brings in like these otherworldly experiences. And I'm totally just blanking on all the beautiful things that I could say about it right now. And again, she can correct me next week, but it's really, really fascinating and it's mystical and it's beautiful and it's been really Like, she's just had a really, really, really wonderful experience every time she's done it, even though it's like crazy and difficult and people can get sick and blah, blah, blah. But it's very like healing. It's a really interesting thing um, that she's going to be talking about. So I'm really excited to have her. And so if you have any questions for her, um, again, email me, tweet me, do all the things. Uh, You can also leave her a voicemail um, on the Anchor app or on the website. And that's going to be that, my friends. We're actually going to skip the tarot poll today. And I'm very sorry, but I'm losing my voice. And I also have an audition tomorrow. So I got to get that under control. And today's just been kind of a rough time. But that only means that next week we'll do an extra cool one for Raina because she is a witchy woman. And I'm into it. And we've been best friends for like (laughs) 10 years. So it's like NBD. So that's going to be it. You guys, you're wonderful. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being my friend. (laughs) Thank you for being my friend. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell your friends. Rate and review. Remember, if you don't have time to uh, review it, just rate it. If you can't afford to support it, just rate it. Basically, just rate it. Just rate the show. Apple Podcasts helps me out greatly. Helps me with ads. Help me uh, with my feelings. uh, (laughs) Those kinds of things. Uh, If you can support the show, you can go to anchor.fm slash thinkpiecing slash support. You can also Venmo me at Mrs. Graceface. There's merch in the Linktree bio and all the socials, which is at thinkpiecing. Or you can just scroll down at the bottom of this episode and it is in the show notes because I am great. And uh, I'm Grace Hancock. You can follow me everywhere at Mrs. Grace face. I hope that everybody has a wonderful Native American Heritage Day this week, and I will see all of you next week. Hey team, I'm Grace Hancock and I wanted to let you know that I'm adding new designs to my Society6 shop with several on their way. If you didn't know, you can go to Society6.com slash Mrs. Grace Face and shop prints of my original artwork as well as tons of other items like stationery, notebooks, mugs, throw pillows. It's a great place to shop for gifts or just for yourself, especially in my shop if you like witchy expressionism. So head to Society6.com slash Mrs. Grace Face and check it out.